Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I'm so glad you're here. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to like, subscribe, and share. I see that so many of you are listening to and using the daily affirmations episodes, and I hope they continue to be tools that you use for support, encouragement, and strengthening your meditation practice. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider donating to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at Love Letters and Mixtapes. So a few years ago, I saw a meme on Instagram, and it was a simple, tiny stick figure drawing of a person holding a balloon with one hand in the clouds, and the words below it said, F closure, just float away like a balloon. And obviously I laughed at the time because it put into words everything I've ever felt about changes, endings, breakups, leaving a job, and just closure in general. And I guess I just wish it was always that clear, that straightforward, that simple. Change comprised of a shrug and a strong breeze to move you away. But in my life, that so rarely happens. The transformation process changes me, changes the way I think the way I feel, and the way I perceive the world. A piece of writing that more accurately describes the endings and beginnings in my own life is something written by Mark Nepo from his book, The Book of Awakening. And in that, he said, When in the midst of great change, it is helpful to remember how a chick is born. From the view of the chick, it is a terrifying struggle confined and curled in a dark shell, half-formed, the chick eats all of its food and stretches to the contours of its shell. It begins to feel hungry and cramped. Eventually, the chick begins to starve and feels suffocated by the ever-shrinking space of its world. Finally, its own growth begins to crack the shell, and the world as the chick knows it is coming to an end. Its sky is falling. As the chick wriggles through the cracks, it begins to eat its shell. In that moment, growing but fragile, starving and cramped, its world breaking, the chick must feel like it is dying. Yet once everything it has relied on falls away, the chick is born. It doesn't die, but falls into the world. The lesson is profound. Transformation always involves the falling away of things we have relied on, and we are left with a feeling that the world as we know it is coming to an end, because it is. Yet the chick offers us the wisdom that the way to be born while still alive is to eat our own shell. When faced with great change in self, in relationship, in our sense of calling, We somehow must take in all that has enclosed us, nurtured us, incubated us. So when the new life is upon us, the old is within us. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of this podcast. Snake River Roasting Company is an organic coffee roaster located in the beautiful mountains of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Not only do they roast award-winning coffees, but their mission and commitment to supporting the rights of women farmers around the world are just incredible. I start every single morning with a cup of their Fire on the Mountain organic coffee blend. And if you're anything like me and you're particular about what you eat and drink and how it's sourced, Snake River Roasting Company has a free shipping code for you to give their delicious coffee 
Philadelphia taste. Head to their website, snakeriverroastingco.com and use the code COFFEELOVE at checkout for free shipping on all domestic coffee orders. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And I hope that piece resonates for you and offers you some normalization during your own experiences with change. And so many of us are experiencing big shifts right now, whether that is a change in our relationships, change in jobs, or even navigating the change in interacting with other people in a way that we've been mostly cut off from for about 18 months. Businesses are suddenly open again. People are returning to the workplace, and life seems to be moving forward full swing. There are a few people in my life who've been honest enough to share their feelings about it, and I just appreciate it so much. Because there's not something wrong with you if you're not jumping up and down to return to the way things used to be after so much time spent in suspension during 2020 and 2021. I know that so many of us just want to move on and forget about all that happened during this time. I get it. You know, I'm not immune to that. It's a defense mechanism. So many of us are just taught to plow through things and just keep it moving. But that might not be your reality, and I know it's not mine. Maybe your outer world changed so drastically during this time, and it's going to take some getting used to in order for you to feel safe again. Maybe your inner world went through a deep transformation, and you may not want to go back to what you were before. Wherever you are in your journey, you're not alone. And I want you to know that you are not alone. Even if other people are not sharing their full experience with you, someone else is going through whatever you're going through right now. And you deserve all the time and space it requires for you to feel grounded. There's no need to rush the process or move according to someone else's time frame. I have no idea what your experience with this has been, but in my own life, bravado, false bravado, and muscling through certain experiences has actually never helped me in the long run. It might have moved me along just in the moment and got me where I think I need to be or made other people happy, but for me, it's done a lot more harm than good. Those moments that were inviting me to go slower and witness people, places, and things and allow thoughts and feelings to rise to the surface without being rushed, I mean, those times in my life were so important. And I would have missed out on all of the gifts and all of the lessons if I had forced my way to my next evolution instead of allowing everything to unfold in perfect timing. And the topic of this podcast episode today is endings, finding closure, and welcoming new beginnings. And a big part of that is decompression. 
Decompression is one aspect of endings, beginnings, and change that is rarely, if ever, talked about. And maybe that's because it's inconvenient for other people. But it's a very human experience. There seems to be this belief that when a major change occurs in your life, whether it's positive or negative, we should just immediately downshift, adapt, and get on with it. And there's a misconception that there is something inherently wrong with us if we can't just snap to it and pivot immediately. Where is the room for integration, acceptance, decompression, and alignment? Where are we taking space to regulate our emotions and our nervous system? These are not extras. They're not bonus points or an extra credit assignment that we can maybe think about after doing what we have done to take care of the quote-unquote real stuff in our lives. When we do not prioritize our mental and emotional health, they become a big problem. Charging through changes that inevitably come up in our lives with aggressive bravado may not always serve you, even if it is more convenient for the people around you in the moment. And in the off chance that it works out great for you, What message are you sending to the person next to you who may not be built that way? I was an overnight dog foster for an animal adoption center for about 18 months, which basically is my dream come true, first of all. (laughs) But every day I would arrive at the center at 4.30 p.m. and they would hand over a dog that needed a home for the night because staying in a home allowed the dogs a better quality of life They could be socialized, get exercise, and learn how to function in home environment with ease. And during that time, I fostered close to 40 dogs. Some of them would only be with me for one night, and other dogs would be with me for six weeks or more. Sometimes I'd have two or three dogs staying with me at a time. And they all had traumatic stories. Some were in really bad shape when I brought them home. Some had been abused, others had been abandoned, and a lot of them had never been inside a home before or were starving or very weak from being exposed to the elements. There were one or two dogs that had such severe medical issues where I wasn't sure if they would make it through the night. And what I noticed with every single dog that walked through my door, no matter how sweet, happy, loving, or affectionate they were, They all needed time to decompress, every single one of them. And I was able to witness this the most with the dogs that stayed with me for longer periods of time. When they had an extended period of time to relax, to find a routine, to develop coping skills, to eat, sleep, and exercise regularly without being in fight-or-flight survival mode, everything shifted for them. They finally felt the ground beneath their feet. They just relaxed. You could almost see them exhale deeper and deeper every day. Their personalities came out. They're like, it sounds weird to say, but they're like talents and skills came out as well. They no longer lived in a state of shock and hypervigilance. They played more. And they socialized and interacted with other dogs and humans without anxiety. 
So maybe just think about that and try to see the parallel in our own lives. How much would we all benefit from a greater understanding, acceptance, and maybe even a vocabulary around our need to decompress and adjust? Yes, we're different from dogs in many ways. I get that. (laughs) But I think what I'm trying to say is as living, breathing beings on this planet, maybe it's not that strange that when we're going through a big change or we exert a lot of energy to move through something, we just need to decompress. I mean, isn't that the basis of Shavasana in a yoga practice? Why do we take that time, that like almost five to 10 minutes at the end of a yoga practice to just lay and allow the nervous system to exhale? It feels obvious, but at the same time, how often do we prevent that in our real lives? And why is it so difficult to see how we would benefit from this in the same way that animals do? Why do we have such a hard time understanding that big life changes even when they're positive? And I want to stress that because sometimes we go through life changes and it's amazing. It's a miracle. And we should just be so blessed but it's still difficult and draining for people maybe to evolve at that rate or to hold space for that much greatness. Maybe we're not used to it. Maybe it is a big change for us. And maybe we're going through all sorts of feelings of unworthiness or fears of losing it. And how would we benefit from that opportunity to decompress and from a little more understanding from the people around us? And we have the opportunity to shift our perspective here. We don't have to view ourselves as put out or inconvenienced by someone else's trauma or struggle or good fortune. And if we're honest, sometimes that's the story we're telling ourselves. We immediately go to, how is this affecting me? Instead of, how can I show up for this other person? How can I create safety for them to process or move through whatever it is they're going through? Because there will surely come a time in my own life when the roles are reversed and I would greatly benefit from an outstretched hand, compassion, or someone just giving me space to adapt to life on life's terms. I think we see this very often in work environments, and that actually might be the most approachable example for everyone when you go into a new position and you know in my own life that happens a lot i'm hired in new positions and they immediately day 1 want me to make these massive changes i was asked to fire someone on my first day in a role and i was just like what what are you asking me to do i don't even know where the bathroom is can you let me settle can you let me understand my surroundings can i get oriented it, it shouldn't be a big ask, but it's something that I think we're told not to do. So I think that when we do this in our own lives and we make space for ourselves to decompress, again, we're given an example to the person next to us that it is okay. And if we step away from our story of how we're automatically disenfranchised and inconvenienced by someone else processing pretty normal changes... We can write a new story of like, where can I find a depth of compassion, grace, and understanding in myself? 
How can I give to others in those moments? I mean, that's the story I want to live. I had one work experience that brings up such big feelings around this need for humanity, grace, and understanding, but it's also pretty funny, so I think I'm going to share it. (laughs) And I could just delete it later when I'm editing this podcast, but I'm just going to go for it. So I was working at a nonprofit, which is what I do, and pretty fortunately, or I guess unfortunately, I had experienced more loss in 18 months while in this position than most people experience in two decades. And I can laugh about it a little bit now, but at the time, it felt like someone was drunkenly playing Jenga with my life and emotions, and they had removed the one piece that held it all together. Pieces just started falling everywhere, and I couldn't move fast enough to collect them. Without going into intense detail, multiple family members were diagnosed with cancer. Another family member died after a long struggle. I lost my home in a natural disaster, and then I had some horrific financial consequences to move through for me and another family member. So much more was going on that I can't even delve into it but it was a lot. I mean, I think even my dog died during that time. I mean, it was just everything fell apart. And as soon as I experienced one loss, I didn't even have time to process it because another loss was happening. And I didn't do anything to deserve it. I didn't bring it on myself. It's just life. And through it all, I was consistent with my work. I was me. I suited up and I showed up and I exceeded every single expectation during the day. And then I basically sobbed uncontrollably on my entire car ride home. But, you know, I showed up during the day. Isn't that what we're told to do? (laughs) You know, just plow through it. And in the midst of all this, I remember one day a board member came into my office And she started telling me about how terrible my life was. I kid you not. She walked into my office for what I believe was an attempt to offer support or encouragement. And instead, she began listing all the major losses that had occurred for me while working there. It was awful. And I can't imagine what it must have been like as an outsider witnessing this in someone else's life. So that's where I can offer some compassion to the people I worked with or the board members, but I really didn't bring it to work. You know, it was just, it was just life. These were just things that happened. Um, but then here's this woman bringing up all of her big emotions about my grief and loss into my office. And this was my safe space. This was my oasis. Because when I was home, I was talking to attorneys. I was talking to FEMA. I was talking to hospice workers. But my job, that was my oasis, where I was just trying to keep it all together. So here she is, invading my safe space and listing all the ways in which my life is publicly falling apart. And it gets better. Because she starts crying about how awful my life is, (laughs) like real tears, big tears. And she keeps saying, your life is just so terrible. I can't even imagine what it's like to be you right now. Everyone keeps dying. You keep losing things. It's such a mess. And I looked at her and I, I kid you not, I said, don't be upset. It'll get better. I promise. <laughs> Basically, patting her on the shoulder 
and soothing her for having to witness the pain and transformation in my life in this very far removed way because I wasn't talking about it at work and I wasn't bringing it to work, but it was just a fact. I had to go to funerals and I I had to speak to attorneys. And it was one of the most surreal moments in my life. And it's honestly laughable as I look back on it now, but I'm comforting someone else about having to watch how hard my life was for a few months and trying to make them feel better. Meanwhile, I personally was at the end of my rope and was not experiencing grace from most of the people around me. And then the story gets better. Because in the midst of all of this loss, I began to notice that my workload was basically doubling. It was so intense, and I am not someone who shies away from hard work. But it was definitely not what I signed up for when I took the role. And I was pretty much working around the clock doing three jobs, but being paid for one. And after months of this, the person who hired me brought me into his office for a meeting to discuss my yearly review and raise. And he had this massive smile on his face as he told me to sit down, and I'll never forget it. And like every other person in this building, it seems, he began talking about how difficult my life had been this year and how he could really see that I was struggling so hard to not let my personal losses affect me at work. And then he told me that for the last nine months, When my life was the most difficult, he had made the decision to pile work on me and push me so far beyond my capacity in order to distract me from my grief and to prove a point that I could work through literally anything because he was going to show me how strong I really was. This man was literally beaming with pride. And something inside of me just broke. I felt violated. I felt used, manipulated. Just every disgusting feeling bubbled up inside of me. I was actually shaking. Here, I had barely been hanging on for months, doing my best to put one foot in front of the other, to not be a bother to anyone, and to not ask for special treatment, not taking time off to grieve, and instead I was treated worse and given more work so that someone could quote-unquote teach me a lesson about myself that, guess what, I already knew. I know I'm strong. I know I'm professional. I know I'm capable. I don't need anyone else to abuse me into revealing it. And long story short, I resigned within a month. On one hand, It was a difficult decision to make because I loved the work I was able to do with the population I served. And on the other hand, it was the easiest decision of my life. Because while life may not always be perfect or unfold according to my plans, I will never need to consciously choose to be around people who make life harder for me in moments when I most need support, understanding, or simply space and peace. I think about how differently that particular situation could have been handled and what impact that would have had on my desire to work for this organization. Because I wasn't asking for special treatment. I literally just needed everyone to not make it worse 
or to project their fears onto me. I was overwhelmed with my own fear at the time, and I had no capacity for more. And I realized what was happening, and I'm going to mention it here in case you ever find yourself in a similar situation. I was being turned into a quote-unquote other because it was scary to see how easily one person could lose so much so quickly. It was terrifying. I understand that, that the people around me were getting freaked out. I was having unimaginable losses happen to me. And the feelings of fear and deprivation that that brings up within us as the observer can sometimes ignite our worst character defects. Instead of reaching for connection and compassion, we reach for distance and reasons why something terrible is happening to one person and not happening to us. It's almost as if we want to believe we cracked the code and this other person did not, so they must have brought it on themselves. And that's some dangerous thinking, and I do not recommend it. Nadia Boltz Weber shared about this in one of her sermons, and I'd like to share it with you today because I feel as if it so beautifully sums up what happens in our lives. And sometimes we're, we're the person who's going through something, and sometimes we're the person who can't show up for another person. So wherever you are today, I hope this lands for you. And she said, We prefer to not be in close proximity to those who remind us too much of things we don't want to think about. I do not want someone to be a living, breathing reminder of what could happen to me. I do not want to be reminded that I could be a day away from a cancer diagnosis and a cancer diagnosis away from being homeless. I am more comfortable believing that I am following a formula that is working. I want to believe the reason I don't have leprosy and someone else does is because I lead a good life, or the reason I don't have cancer and my friend Kate does is because I don't eat processed foods. There is plenty of religious and spiritual ways out there that will happily sell you the formula of how to control life, how to release miracles, books and seminars from both New Age and Christian sources that will tell you the quote-unquote secret so to speak, but it just doesn't work like that. When it comes down to it, the only condition for healing is that you are sick. There are no conditions other than the condition that you are sick or broken in some way or in bondage to something, and that pretty much covers everyone. There are a lot of lies I love, like if something bad happens to someone, they must have done something wrong. And if something good happens to me, I must have done something right. Deep down, I know these are lies, but these are lies that let me remain in an illusion of control. And I love that illusion. Grace is ultimately more reliable than virtue. And I hope you take some time to look up Nadia Boltz Weber. Her books are incredible. Her sermons are beautiful. And she has a wonderful podcast on here as well. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The name of this podcast is Love Letters and Mixtapes, and the inspiration for that was a desire to write, share, and talk about things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, three years ago, or yesterday. And if I was going to write a love letter to my younger self about endings, closure, and beginnings, it would probably go something like this. I know it feels as if your world is crumbling around you. And I know it feels as if nothing is ever going to be okay again. I know that it's difficult to eat, to sleep, to interact with other people, to put one foot in front of the other, and to even breathe sometimes. Everything around you is changing, and all the endings rising to the surface feel like deaths. You're wondering if time is just going to stop completely. Parts of you feel as if they're disappearing. But nature has taught us that every death is a necessary step in rebirth. One cannot happen without the other. So trust in nature, trust in cycles, trust in change and evolution. Fear does not have to be a character flaw or an aberration. It can just be one small part of it. It doesn't have to be all of it or all-consuming. And as often as you need to, even if it's a thousand times a day, let those fears exhale through your body, out of your mouth, carried on your breath, and turn your gaze in the direction of your next birth. So until next week, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Check out this week's playlist on my personal Spotify account and join me on Instagram at Love Letters and Mixtapes. If you enjoyed this episode, consider donating to support this podcast by clicking on the link in my Instagram bio.